Welcome to Adventures with Ernie. I'm Erlene. I'm Rachel. And I'm Nicole. And we are international explorers. We've been traveling and working in theater and entertainment at sea and around the world. And we're here to share our stories and knowledge with you. Every week, we are covering a different topic. This first season is all about ship life, shutdowns, and shipwrecks. Welcome back, friends, and thanks for joining us for episode two, COVID-19 and the future of cruising. This episode, we're going to discuss norovirus, COVID-19, and what cruising may look like moving forward. So let's go ahead and get started, shall we? So I think it's important to note that being clean and viruses and flu is not new at all to the cruising industry. In fact, it's something that we as crew have dealt with many times, and I'm sure you ladies have all been on a cruise that has a norovirus outbreak. Yes, I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. It is the absolute worst. So I think what I'd like to start with, if you guys are okay with this, is kind of talking about norovirus and what ships were already doing before coronavirus to keep us all safe. For sure. Absolutely. So Arlene, do you want to tell us maybe what a little a, a little bit about what norovirus is? Yeah. So norovirus is a very contagious group of viruses that are a common cause of like food poisoning, acute gastritis, like the stomach flu, and it can like quickly with force and makes a person feel very sick, which typically resolves within like two to three days. But it, the symptoms, Rach, I'll let you tell the symptoms because they- They're terrible. First of all, I've had it and it's not fun, but you get very nauseous, vomiting, diarrhea, abdominal cramping. You basically feel like your entire insides are trying to work their way out. Um, it's all happening at the same time. It's not yeah. like one at a time. It's like your whole body is it's heaving. It's like a system shutdown. It's just- uh, uh, nightmares from it's it, y'all. Nightmares. There are a couple of key characteristics that make it different from other things like IBS or something like along those lines. The diarrhea is not bloody. There's a low-grade fever if it's present. And there's a big risk of complication from dehydration as well because you're literally just vomiting and pooping all the time. Completely <laughs> accurate. Um, and it's really important to note that with with norovirus, I wanted to say coronavirus, see how like <laughs> programmed we are. Norovirus, the incubation period is 12 to 36 hours. So it's extremely contagious. It's like it lives on surfaces. Like it's one of those things that if one person has it, it spreads like wildfire. So it sounds like you two have had it before. Is that true? Yes. yes. I've had it myself. Um, it's actually quite terrible. For me, it lasted about 24 hours. I think they typically keep us quarantined for 24 hours. Was that the case with both of you? Yeah, I was I was quarantined. I didn't realize I had it at the beginning. I thought, you know, there's when you ever go back to a ship, you know how there's like that week where your food's like readjusting, your body's readjusting to the food? Yes. So that's yes, what I thought was very happening, true. which it wasn't what was happening. I actually had norovirus. And so mine was like 36 hours of just pain, but I was only quarantined for 24. 
Yeah, it it the best part about norovirus is it does typically move through you, and I realized what I did there. <laughs> um, it does move through very quickly, normally within twenty four hours or so. You do kind of have that weak, uh, where you've lost the will to live kind of feel for the next day or two after. I always joked on board that it was like the perfect way to get to your ideal weight. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> But it's so, so true. Bad. You lose a lot of weight very quickly. I think when I was quarantined, it was somewhere between 36 and 48 hours. But that wasn't my first norovirus quarantine situation because we actually had an outbreak of norovirus at my college when I was there years and years ago. And it was so widespread that it was all over the news. Our entire college shut down for five days, which was unheard of. We were in the Midwest and we had to go to classes when there was five feet of snow, but norovirus shut us down for an entire week. Um, but then on the ship, I think, yeah, I think I was quarantined for like 36 hours. But it is different for people who share cabins, right? It is. So um, being in the position that I had on the ship, a large portion of my job was handling things of that nature. So if somebody tests positive, well, it's not really even a test. Um, if somebody's showing symptoms of norovirus, they call it norovirus to be safe in most cases. You know, if you're vomiting and experiencing diarrhea, there's very few things that that could be on a cruise ship. They, for the most part, will have you fill out a form that'll talk about who you've been in contact with if you've been out in port, what you've eaten for the last couple of days, which I always find to be extremely stressful and often results just in like, I've had four coffees and a pickle. <laughs> but is that all I've really had? I uh. guess. But what they'll do is if you do have a roommate, they will isolate you into a, uh, a cabin on your own. So that you're not infecting your roommate, of course. And, and and your roommate will also be quarantined to ensure that they don't show symptoms either. And if they do, of course, they will administer treatment to them. Which treatment, there's not really much. It's kind of time. But every time I've had it, I had a IV. I don't know about you ladies, but they are always very careful with me. They give me something for the nausea and they always give me an IV. And you get that horrific, horrific meal oh the food is so bad it's like what white rice with like a maybe a grilled chicken that's like over i actually have a picture i'm gonna make a blog post for our website <laughs> and i'm gonna include the picture for all of our friends to see it is vile they said I was quarantined, and then because so many people at the time on our ship had it, they couldn't do room service to everyone. It was just not operationally feasible. So the only place I was allowed to go was to the mess to eat at certain times. So I didn't have wow. any room service strange meals. So I do think it's important to note, like, the hotline number that you have to call. So you yeah. have, what is it, within four hours of having a symptom? Well, I think that's, like... The minute you have a symptom, you have to call. You call the hotline. You have to call the hotline. And basically, that's like a, a code red five alarm fire for them. They have to see you right away. And you have to go up to the medical office. And you have to be seen by somebody. If you don't report that you think you have 
norovirus and you're walking around the ship and touching people and talking and feeling horrible and drinking, why you would do that, I don't know, but I've seen it happen. And they find that you knew like six hours ago that you were sick and you just kind of went along with it. You can be fired for that. Yep. It is a it is an offense that can result in in termination, honestly. And I've seen that happen once. And I mean, it's it's needed like it's a part of it because it does spread so quickly. So if you don't take it seriously and you don't prove to like everyone you are taking it seriously, it just makes it look like you're not doing your job, which is why they have to be so strict with that. Yeah, the isolation is super important. And like you were saying with the hotline, a lot of times they will quarantine you and they will call you within 12 hours, one, to check on you and make sure you're still alive, and two, to make sure that you're actually in your cabin. Mm -hmm. And if you don't answer and you work for, I don't know, me, they call me. (laughs) And they're like, so-and-so, Arlene is not answering the phone. We don't think she's in her room. And I'm like, oh, here we go. So now I have to like risk my life and go see if I can find you in your room. But that's what happens. It's true. You know, they're they're serious about it. And if heaven forbid they catch you after they've quarantined you, that is like game over. Yeah. You might as well not even it's like drinking too much and getting caught. It's forget it. You're going to get in trouble. You're going to get to visit our beautiful friend, the staff captain. For sure. I guess we've talked a lot about the quarantine and what that is, but like what else, like when a ship has a norovirus outbreak, we talk about this code red. And I think we should explain what that is because we've said it several times and we haven't explained what it means. A hundred percent. So there's like two levels, right? There's a code orange and a code red. And each each ship might be different um, as far as what their levels are. But basically, it depends on how much of the crew and how much of the passenger population has been infected. And I don't know if anybody else wants to kind of discuss what happens. I'm happy to go into it more. No, I mean, they do, They go through – it depends on what level you're in. But orange, a crew aren't allowed in guest areas unless they're on duty. Um, the crew mess, it, they stop letting you serve yourself. You have like they get people in there to serve you. So even at the buffet, code red, like crew members are now dishing out any food that you get so that there's not enough, a lot of people touching the same utensils and passing that around. Have you guys ever had to do that? I've never had to serve, but I have to like being in charge of the theaters, I do have to clean and sanitize the theater. And that's going through with, I never remember the name of the solution or the the disinfectant that they use. Oxivir? That sounds right. Cyclovir. I think you're right, Rage. But that's a whole process too, because you have to go down to the environmental officer, get your thing of your squeeze bottle full of it, go back up to the theater, and your rags, and you your rags. <laughs> you have to spray every seat rail, like every armrest on the chairs, every railing in the theater, any common wipe touch down point. the walls, like the door railings and then backstage you have to have like your whole tech team do that. So you're sanitizing the entire theater. And if it's a code red, you're doing that twice a day, maybe Mm -hmm. three because you have to do it in between shows. And then you're normally, if you're doing it either a before show or B after the show. So, and if you have other events in there, you're, 
someone is sanitizing after every event. Mm -hmm. It might not be the theater team because maybe it's a crew staff event that's happening in there and they're in there, but like it gets sanitized so much. That's all the venues in the theater or like, and on the ship as a whole. I was going to say, and that's everywhere else in the other departments as well. Like the shop, like in the shops, they're doing it in the, any, any common areas at all. Everyone's responsible in their departments for their own areas and making sure that they're cleaned and you have to sign off on the little thing every time. And it's a whole to do. Yeah. You have but to everybody sign that you've it. done that. I forget about the like sign sheets where you have to like initial that you have done this sanitation for today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't lie on that. They catch you with that, that, with that. That's a big thing. And you do have to return your solution to the environmental officer when you're done with it. Right, because it's only to be used in those circumstances. Yeah. We don't use it any other time. And they expire. There's a very they, short right. shelf life of that stuff. So if you think, oh, well, I'll need this again tomorrow to do the same thing, it could expire by then because it only the solution is only good for so long. They can also choose to not allow you out in port. I know I was on a ship that was actually a tender port. We were in Cannes, France, and um, we were experiencing a code red. And to be honest, those can go on for multiple cruises. It's not like it's just one cruise and then it's over. It can last weeks and weeks and weeks. And this is one of those times. It wasn't norovirus. It was influenza. But we could not get, they would not let us get in tender boats. So that port was closed to us as crew members. So they can decide, you know, they don't want to have separate tender boats to take you to shore. It's too much. They don't want you with passengers. So that's also a possibility is having your uh, your shore time taken as well. I've never had that happen. I didn't know that could, but it makes sense as to why. Yeah, it's definitely happened. When I was on the ship at the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic, that's what happened. That was our first thing, was they started limiting crew shore leave, and then we ended up in a code red, but nobody knew why at first. And there were all sorts of rumors going around the ship about why we were in code red all of a sudden. And that apparently, on our in our particular situation, somebody had uh, pooped themselves in one of the public restaurants. Which is another thing that couldn't put you into a code red. And so everyone said that that was why. And that was the, but like the timing of it, it was definitely coronavirus becoming a thing. And we were denied, we not denied, but we were limited shore leave and we couldn't get off for a while before they started announcing that cruises were canceling and all of that was going to begin happening. Yeah. And if it gets bad enough too, they can choose to stop having crew even assembling. It got so bad on the one ship that I was on that we were not allowed to have classes anymore, which mm-hmm. darn, you know, that safety training. I really, <laughs> I was really looking forward to sitting through that, but we couldn't go to the gym anymore. There was no crew bar. It kind of got, it was almost like now with coronavirus where people were starting to lose their minds because you couldn't really buy cigarettes or anything. So they would open the crew bar for like an hour and everybody would run down. You could get like six bottles of beer and some cigarettes and you could only take them to your room. You couldn't stay. It was like, you know, to go only, take out. (laughs) Um, But I have seen it get that bad. Only once. But do you guys have any other quarantine stories? I was just thinking about... Like during the pandemic quarantine, 
when they did the same thing, they opened up the gift shops to sell cigarettes at one point. Oh, wow. So they're moving between places. And I'm a gift shop cigarette smoker. I don't like the brands that they sell in Crew Bar because I'm bougie and I can't smoke terrible <laughs> cigarettes. So we were like waiting and waiting and waiting for them to open. And then there's like this huge line of crew members outside the gift shop. And they're like opening up through a back door, like not all the entrances on the main deck. And like you go in and it was just so funny because everybody like they were a hot ticket item because they were only open for a certain time of the day and some people couldn't get there. So then like they became I don't know, like people talk about using cigarettes to barter in prison. And that's kind of what it was like. Like, we're yeah. like, oh, I have these and they're very valuable. Like you would use them to trade for favors. Well, and it's it like if you thing. have um, if you have contractors on board that might, you know, do entertainment for you. So a lot of cruise lines will use like hypnotists and comedians and musicians and magicians that don't necessarily work directly for the cruise line. They're they're a third party contractor. But they're treated in many cruise lines like guests. They stay in a guest cabin sometimes. And they're kind of this anomaly in the whole quarantine thing. So you sometimes, I know I was using them to get coffee at one point, which is super bad. I used a comedian to do that. I was like, I cannot go to the Starbucks or the coffee shop. Can you please take my money? That's when we were together and you did that. And I was very jealous of that coffee (laughs) and very mad that you had not bent the rules even further to get me one too. I'm so sorry. I didn't think about you. I was like rocking back and forth in my seat because I'm like, I haven't had coffee in days. I'm going to die. And a comedian, bless his heart, was like, here you go. I I got you that uh, yeah. caramel macchiato. I could when I was you. on the ship, I ordered $70 worth of fake K-cups from Amazon because they put us in code red and they hadn't canceled cruises yet. So I thought we were going to be there for a long time. So I ordered all these K-cups to use in the office coffee machine, like $70 worth of Amazon. They didn't even get there before I left. Oh, no. (laughs) Coffee down. That's okay. They Once the guests were gone, we were allowed to go get coffee again. So it all worked out just fine. And the company, yet again, got to keep a huge chunk of my paycheck for (laughs) For coffee. coffee. It's definitely where mine goes is coffee and the occasional like beer wine, like drinks maybe out one night or two. But coffee, I feel like I do. I go there two or three times a day. We've gotten so off topic, by the way. No, we're fine. I think we're doing great. I think like Code Red, I would not wish on my worst enemy. It is literally the worst. But do you guys ever get to that point where you're like, I don't know, six months in and you've just been extended and you haven't had a day off for a while and like you sit and you're in the elevator and you think, if I lick these buttons, I might get a day off. Do you guys ever have that (laughs) or is that just me? I've never been extended. All my contacts, all my contracts and you're just like, I just want one day off where no one's allowed to call me. And they bring me a really dry chicken and dead broccoli. I definitely have had thoughts of like, when I'm having a rough day, I'd be like, uh, if I just licked this handrail, maybe that would give it, give me norovirus and I could get out of work for the day. Or like, I don't have to go back there, but I've never, not because I've been extended. I, it's not even because I've been extended. It's just like, 
I've had those thoughts where like the day is really horrible and I'm by myself in the elevator and I know they're watching us because there's like a camera in there and I look up at the camera and I'm thinking, don't judge me if I lick these <laughs> buttons right now because I really need a day off. I'm so tired. Just one yes. day. And sometimes too, like with guests, I know if guests get norovirus on board, they will give them things like they'll give them a free movie or they'll try to make them as comfortable as they can because it's absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. And you just get to sit and watch movies all day and you're given drugs that make you sleep. And yes, it's horrible. And you really do lose the will to live around like the 10th hour of it. But <laughs> but some days you're like, oh, I could really use norovirus. That's like the only thing that can save yeah. me now. However, now that we've got completely off off topic and clearly I'm the only person that would consider licking elevator buttons. um, I I said I'd lick a handrail. (laughs) I wouldn't do it. It grosses me out far too much. Let's let's shift now and kind of think about what norovirus has kind of set us up for with coronavirus because the cruise industry has been hit significantly – hard by COVID-19 and Norwegian Cruise Line and Royal Caribbean Group have partnered to establish a healthy sale panel that developed a whole bunch of recommendations that will guide the cruise industry's way forward to respond to COVID-19. They've been working with the CDC to ensure that we are prepared to sail safely. Yeah. And this healthy sale panel that they got together, it consists of like 11 globally recognized experts in completely different areas. You have one that's, or like two that's for science and medical practice, medical research, public health, infectious diseases, biosecurity. And you even have people there from maritime operations who are bringing in the knowledge we already have from norovirus and what we already have in place. And then using this team of experts to build on that. And the work of this panel will, like they've both Royal Caribbean group in Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings, who are like the primary ones, have opened this up to share this wildly with the cruise industry and any business that they think will benefit from their findings, mm-hmm. which I think is really That's cool. That's amazing, really, honestly. When you think about- When you're like, I, they put in all this effort and all this time and they're like, no, we know that this will help our industry right. like make a comeback. And they're just like, here, use it if you can. Like, I think that's cool. That is Yeah, they already had other lines sit in on the panel and like observe the whole process. Um, that as they were creating it with all of these doctors and experts, which I think is super cool. And they came up with this 65 page plus report, which has 74 detailed best practices to protect public health and the safety of guests, crew, and the communities where cruise ships go to call. The recommendations cover all sorts of things all down the line. They include testing before going on cruises, the use of face coverings and masks, and a lot of enhanced sanitization procedures, both on the ships and in the terminals where people are embarking and debarking from the ships. The panel had like five areas of main focus. Um, and then for their recommendations, each focus has a different, like I think the first um, area is testing, screening, and exposure. And they had 22 recommendations for that alone. And even there, the way for testing, I know for testing crew and testing guests, it's going to be a little different. And currently they're not making guests get a test before coming on board. It's just having them do like a whole health screening. But testing for crew will be a lot more intense because they're flying in from all over the world. 
So the first part of this is, you know, a test, if you're a crew member and you're going to come and join the ship, then you have to get a negative test one to five days before your departure. And then after our five days before you depart, and then 24 hours prior to leaving your home, you have to get another test and receive a negative test result. And then you have to quarantine once you get on board for seven days upon your arrival. And at the end of that seven days, you take another test. And if you're negative at the end of that set, that test, then you can start your duties. Like right now, they're telling you that crew can't even start their, their duties coming on board for seven days. So, and that's just one of 22 recommendations for that specific area. That is crazy. Yeah. The second area deals with sanitation and ventilation. And just there alone, there's like 11 recommendations, which is crazy. And it, it looks like most cruise lines are going to go ahead and completely redo their ventilation systems to make them more safe. In fact, the panel has uh, displayed the following strategies. Um, enhanced filtration. The panel recommends that uh, HVAC filters be upgraded to the highest possible level, which already I think most were already looking to do standard before this was even written. Um, and then optimize airflow patterns. Use negative pressurization. What else do they have here? Minimize unfiltered and recirculated air, which if you think about being on an airplane, all you do is just breathe recirculated air. So I'm sure there, this is also part of that as well. Is the way we breathe on these cruise ships and in airplanes is going to be totally different now. Increase number of air changes per hour in certain areas. Use portable HEPA filters and maximize outdoor functions and physical distancing, which, of course, we've already been doing, right? So mm -hmm. the best part about cruise ships is a lot of it's outdoor. You have this beautiful pool decks. You have all these outdoor bars. So we'll probably see even more of that moving forward. The next area of the panel's focus is response, contingency planning, and execution. So this deals with if you do get COVID on board, what are you going to do then? And this is all sorts of things like down to the number of medical beds that are available um, in the medical unit. So usually on a large ship, there's only a few beds available at any one given time. And now they've outlined all of these specific parameters that, for instance, on a ship up to 8,000 passengers and crew, which are some of these biggest mega ships we have, that you have at least six beds for intensive care of patients, and then t at least two other beds um, for what they call inpatient, which is just a little bit less intense. So you have more availability for all of these people to have places. And then it's also things like planning for debarkation of people if they get sick, or even... Um, evacuating the entire ship if you need to do that, if you have a mass outbreak. And it's having all of these plans in place ahead of time so that they can mitigate the spread if a case does end up on board. Okay. And area four of the panel's suggestions is destination and excursion planning. And this came with nine recommendations. So the first part is during the startup phase, they really want cruise lines to keep their itineraries as simple as possible and really use their own private islands or their own cruise line operated destinations and ports. And they want to make sure that they keep them shorter trips. So that they're not as like 14 day cruises or any of that. They want to keep them to like three or four or seven day cruises. And then um, this is just during the initial selling. And then also during the initial selling, they want cruise operators to only allow their guests um, 
to participate in cruise line sponsored or verified excursions to limit the potential exposure when they go out into the ports of call. I love that. I know there's been a lot of talk about, yeah, only cruise ship excursions, even for crew, like there would be, I know a lot of lines have come out. And of course we belong to a lot of crew social media pages and things of that nature. So you get to kind of see what everybody else is doing. And a lot of people were talking about crew events that would just be for crew, go to one place, come back, nothing outside, uh, you know, having fun. Yeah. They're probably going to try to limit those as much as possible for guests and crew to like really contain where it is you're allowed to go until, you know, they kind of get a better sense of going how that's going but for sure with crew you definitely want to make sure because they're not leaving at the end of seven days no they don't <laughs> contrary to popular belief we we do more than one cruise so that kind of leads us to area five which is mitigating risks for crew members and it's actually the last 10 recommendations and this for me as a as a potential crew member uh going back and as a crew member that you know, it's been a couple of years at sea. There's a lot of really great things in here that, quite frankly, until I read this report, I didn't know was in here. For example, the the most obvious of things, keeping crew out of public areas. It says cruise operators should manage the population density of cruise areas, uh, uh, crew areas on the ship. So you know, keeping passengers and passenger areas and crew and crew areas and not having a whole bunch of extra crew that maybe isn't necessary, kind of keeping an eye on what that population looks like. Recommendation 65 is my favorite, ladies, because it says, cruise operators should provide opportunities for crew to debark from the ship at destinations while maintaining reasonable limitations on their movement to reduce risk of exposure to COVID. So that's promising because I think most of us, most of us were thinking, Oh, we're just never going to get off this thing. It's huge. We have a giant fear of that. Like everyone I've talked to about going back, you know, lots of people have asked, would you go back? Because our main concern is, yeah, we want to go back, but are we going to be able to get off at all? You know, because it's like a mental thing at some point when you can't get out of your own living space, which a lot of people have just experienced with COVID-19 and being quarantined in their homes. It starts to feel like a prison. And when you work there and you live there and you breathe, yeah, eat, li- like everything, you definitely want to get out just to feel a sense of relief. So that was a huge concern for me. So I'm thrilled that that's in there because um, I think it's important. I was just going to say, because you were comparing it, did you feel like ship life prepared you for the early days of quarantine and lockdown? Oh, for sure. It was like no big deal at first. A hundred percent. It was very similar to the same. I mean, the only thing, especially when you, if you would get like Uber Eats, it would be like being in quarantine regularly if you had norovirus, only you weren't. I mean, physically, I felt fine. <laughs> Mentally, I didn't. It was just like a, a swap. It was like I had norovirus of the brain. <laughs> um, but, you know, if, if you could just imagine people bringing you food, it was very similar to that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of my friends even like made social media posts about how some of you know this that those memes are like some of you have never done x y and z and it shows yeah someone had made a meme that was like some of you have never worked on a ship and it shows i was like so true because we all were had like we just had a better sense of going into it like how to keep ourselves entertained or and even hygiene practices hello washy washy you know we're always supposed to 
disinfect our hands before we eat. That's a thing on cruise ships everywhere. People joke about that. Yeah. People joke about it. The washy washy girls at the front of the buffet, they will spray your hands with disinfectant as you walk into the buffet because right. of norovirus. So, and there's hand stations right there. There's yes. already like sanitation stations all over the ship. When you come in from a port of call, when you leave, all of those habits are already in place. Yeah. So the early days definitely felt like that. Yeah. There's more recommendations. Do you guys want to hear them? I do. Crews should be placed in single occupancy crew cabins whenever possible. <laughs> I think that's that's probably really exciting for a lot of crew that have to share cabins. Um, I know I would be excited about that. Mm-hmm. However, that kind of feels like an operational nightmare for cruises, like cruise companies, because that's difficult. Because the amount of crew that you need versus the amount of crew you can house now, which was already hard before when people were sharing rooms. Yeah. How many times were you on a cruise where it's like, we don't have any more crew cabins? But with the occupancy and keeping it lower for guests and crew, maybe they would be able to accommodate that more successfully. And um, recommendation 67 uh, was already a thing, so this won't be hard. Cruise operators should limit crew members' close personal contact with guests over extended periods of time. Mm. So we could never have close personal contact. I mean, this is definitely more for like massage therapists, child care, yeah. uh, center workers, lifeguards, those types of things. And of course, there I know have been a lot of questions about can we bring our own guests on? Oh, like have family come on board? Yeah. And like stay Mm. in our rooms. And so I think that is going to be something that could possibly be affected too. Um, And then a lot of it's just training and culture, which to be honest with you, training on cruise ships is a huge thing. Like your first two to three weeks is all training. Your first three days on board, even like, especially if you've never been on board. It's like, I thought I was here to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Next week you can perform. This week you're going to learn how to put out a fire. This week, you're going to learn the 9,000 ways to get norovirus and the 7,000 ways we could sink. Yep. So, like, training is huge. So, I I see us definitely having a lot of COVID training for sure. Yes. It's it's going to be a new priority for everyone. I miss it all so much. I even miss training. That's terrible. I would send a norovirus training or, you know what, I would even sit through a bug training right now. I would. And that's saying something. Sitting through a bug training, staring at those bugs on a giant screen in the theater always disgusted me, especially bed bugs close up under a microscope. I always think it's funny because I almost never see any bugs. So obviously the training is working because we're doing it right. But then I always just think it's so funny because I I never encounter bugs on the show. Like I don't find spiders anywhere. I don't – they just don't exist. Can I tell you a funny story? Please. About bugs. So we have we have to sit in these bug training classes to learn about bugs and how to spot bugs and what the life cycle of bugs are, right? And like how bugs come into this. It, it's awful. And you think you you do it once, then they're, you move ships and they're like, you have to go to bug training. I'm like, I just did bug training seven days ago. I'm like, no, no, no. You have to do it again. No. So I work for a real estate company now. And I'm sitting at the front desk and one of the agents comes to me. He's like, Nicole, come here. I'm like, all right, some dramatic crap is going to ensue. There is a cockroach in my office. 
Okay. For me, living in Florida now, a cockroach is a massive bug. This was like a little tiny like earwig, if you will. So, and trust me, I know bugs. I've been trained numerous times. I know the bug guy. I think we're friends on Facebook, actually. Don't ask why. Anyway, so I look in the office and there's a million Amazon packages, like boxes. And I said, you know, this bug probably came in off of those boxes. That makes sense. He's like, no way. I said, no, for real. I used to work on cruise ships and we took extensive classes about how cockroaches, like the German cockroach, for example, comes in off of Amazon boxes. Mm -hmm. They lay their eggs in there. (laughs) And immediately he like threw all the Amazon boxes away. Hashtag bug training. (laughs) Yeah. Hashtag cruise ships. Hashtag gross. That's why you get in trouble for having cardboard sitting around in your workspace when you've gotten 9 million packages because you (laughs) pretend Amazon days are Christmas. And under no circumstance can you have them in the kitchen, right? Like that was the big thing. They were Mm -hmm. like, no cardboard in the kitchen. Like that's like one of those offenses. So Uh, who knew we'd ever talk about bugs on this? (laughs) Okay. So what do you guys think the path forward is? Well... I think that a big part of it is that countries and different regions all over are proceeding forward with their own policies and procedures to get cruising back to their countries. I know in the U.S., the CDC has already announced a 40-page framework called the Conditional Sailing Order for cruises in the U.S., and they're Working on revising or working on implementing that, I think from what I understand, the holdup now is waiting for more information from the CDC on what the technical requirements are because they use that a lot in the document. I'm sure that vaccine too. Mm-hmm. And availability of vaccine is definitely going to affect these things. But I think it's interesting that the conditional sale order is a phased approach to resuming operations. So first they have to establish a way for laboratory testing of crew on board the ships in the U.S. waters. So they're going to have to find a way to get tests on the ships and be testing crew regularly. Then they can do simulated voyages to test for an ability to mitigate the risk of COVID-19. Then after they've done those, they can have a certification process. And then finally, the fourth phase is to return to passenger voyages. Sorry, repeat what you, I'm going to ask you to repeat that last part. But when you say certification, does that mean someone has to come on board and give them like a evaluation? Basically, it doesn't exactly say what it is, but there will be some process in which they will certify the ships and the lines. And what they do say about it is that everything is individually based for each line. So some ships could come back to cruising in the U.S. before others because all the lines are individually going to have to meet these standards and they're prepared to do it in such a way that it's at a different pace depending on what. So they'll be like, okay, you're here. You're passing all of these phases. You're ready to start sailing. But this other line, you're not certified yet. You need to go back and fix this and this and then you can start sailing. And so it'll be a very staggered start, I think, between the lines and between all of the ships. It just sounds like a really intense USPH inspection. Yeah, that's yes. what I That's was what thinking. it reminds me like of. Like the United States Public Health, which if you work on a cruise ship, it's like those four 
letters or like a four letter word, you know, they're danger, incite terror, and you can't get off the ship and everything's absolutely horrible and everyone's stressed out because the, the United States, it's a panic attack for like half the people in there. They can come at any time and audit the ship. And if you're not doing something that is right and you're, you're putting people's lives at risk, they will shut you down. And the United States has one of the hardest public health programs for ships. They will tell you, I was on a ship that did the Mediterranean, and then they were like, oh, the European public health is so much easier than the US, USPH. Super like the strict. US is so picky. Very. Yeah. So I think, I really do think the US is going to kind of yeah. carry the coronavirus uh, protocol here. I really do. I mean, even our fire, when the USPH comes on, don't they look at our fire lockers even? They look at everything. Everything. Like things that I wouldn't think they'd be a part of, but like our fire lockers get inspected, making sure the list of our fire lockers are correct and match what's in there. Like you have to have everything to a T and your spaces also have to be cleaned. Oh, it's yeah. just like a whole, yeah, it's crazy. But sorry, Rach. So after their certification, what happens next? I was just trying to find more specifically about their certification and basically what the whole thing is, is they have to provide a lot of statements signed by who they call in this whole document, the responsible officials. And those are basically whoever on the ship or for the line is in charge of these things. So it's, um, they define it early on, but it's specific people who are responsible for each line. And then it's a bunch of statements signed by them that say that they're complying with these things. And so it's basically saying, if you find us not in compliance of these, or if we do have a COVID outbreak and this is why, then these are the people who are responsible for all of that. And it's like the president of the company and a couple of other people. Makes sense. And then after they get certified, they can, the final phase is to actually have passengers on cruises again. Okay. I think that's great. Like a, like a dress rehearsal. Cause a, I think you're going to have crew members who you need to get them involved in this whole process. What these new protocols are going to be for the ship, what kind of procedures in, are in place, sanitation, all of that COVID-19 classes. If you bring on your crew before you ever have passengers and get them all simulated is what the word they're using, right? Yes. Rach? Simulated voyages. And do these simulated voyages and get an idea of what you're looking for. It's going to make it so much easier when you get guests on board. And then because it's going to come with its own problems, bringing guests on board who are going to have their own concerns about their safety and making sure that those, what they're going to want to know what's in play. And if all your crew members can give them that feedback and that answer, sure. they're going to feel more comfortable. Yeah. Training is key, I think. No, that's my thoughts on it. I don't know if Nicole has thoughts. No, I think it's a quite, quite honestly, a lot of it's what I expected anyway. I, my approach for it is expecting the worst and hoping for the best. You know, I expect yeah. it's going to be extremely difficult and hoping that it won't be as difficult as I think it is. I also think too, as cruising starts to come back online, things will kind of relax over time. So what will start as being very rigid and difficult will, I think, start to ease up over time and as we get more and more comfortable with it. Um, I think the big question is when, when are we going to start? Because that sounds like a really long process, right? Does anyone yeah. else feel mm -hmm. like that sounds like long? No, I do, of course. And especially thinking about entertainment, when are we going to start? Like, we also have to rehearse before we go on board. Yeah. And then get tech rehearsals going on board. So that's a whole other thing that I'm thinking of. Like we would need yeah, to know where does that fit in advance 
to really get the shows up and running. I was just reading an article yesterday about Broadway coming back, and it's a super good article. And from the perspective of a dresser, which I really appreciated, and you don't find very often when talking about backstage theater stuff. That's true. That's um, true. And she was talking about Broadway and them coming back and how long just to put a show back on to rehearse anything that hasn't been established for a long time. She was estimating three to four months of rehearsal of like time to rehearse and get a show back um, after they were cleared to do so. And so when you take into consideration that with all of the sailing things for cruise ships, it's kind of do those timelines compound? Do they overlap? Yeah. Yeah. How long might it be? Well, and cruise ships are really good at doing things quickly. You know what I mean? Like even even our rehearsal periods are very small. But getting things back, getting people cast, getting people authorized to fly places, I think all of that will become much more difficult because now you have to have a test and now you got to have a test when you fly and then when you land and then four days later and then it's like crazy, crazy town. So most cruise lines have pushed their no-sale orders to May or June currently with a chance of, again, pushing the date. I mean, we're kind of used to this, right? We we kind of hope May or June, and then might, maybe it's July. Um, and every country is kind of doing their own thing at the moment. So if you're interested in more information whether it's on a specific itinerary or a specific cruise line, we have some links in our show notes where you can actually read a little bit more about what each line is planning. And of course, we'll also put the CDC guidelines and the Healthy Sail panel linked in our show notes as well. The future of cruising still remains up in the air, but as you can tell, a lot of work has gone into ensuring a safe return for the industry. If you have a question for us, hop on over to our website, adventureswithernie.com. There you'll find our blog and our Ask Ernie section where you can ask us anything about cruise ships or COVID or entertainment or anything you want to know about us. Absolutely nothing is off limits. Thanks for listening. And please check out our social media pages. You can find the links below in the show notes and join us next week to discuss who's who of your crew and give a shout out to our coworkers around the world who have been impacted by this industry shutdown. Thanks for listening to this episode of Adventures with Ernie. We hope you enjoy the podcast and learn something new. We'll be back next week with more tidbits of information and stories from our adventures. Download or listen wherever you find your favorite podcast with new episodes weekly on Monday. Have a nice week and hope you find an adventure or two before we